Welcome back to The Bone Zone. I'm Dr. Raj Center from Star Orthopedics. The Bone Zone is sponsored by Star Orthopedics as well as Desert Stem Cell Project. I've been talking uh, about knee arthritis and knee pain. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the non-surgical options. So, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, before you get to the point where you're completely bone on bone, because osteoarthritis, wear and tear arthritis, degenerative arthritis, they're all synonymous terms, because that condition is a slowly progressive condition, in most cases, there are a lot of things you can do to slow the progression. And they've been shown to work. So let's let's talk about some of those options. Weight loss. People kind of go, oh, you know, I've always been big. Well, the studies show that if you lose 10 pounds, that takes up to 70 pounds of pressure off of your knee joint. 70 pounds, a seven to one ratio. Because if you think about it, our body is a system of, of, of levers. The muscles act as levers. And so as you're doing certain activities like squatting or running upstairs, the amount of force that's generated by the muscle actually exceeds one-time body weight. It gets to seven times body weight. So every 10 pounds you lose takes 70 pounds of pressure. So when an orthopedic surgeon asks you to lose weight to help your knee pain, I'm not asking you to lose 100 pounds. I'm asking you to lose 20 pounds. In fact, I've had patients who've lost 20 pounds in preparation for the surgery because losing weight actually decreases some of your surgical risks. But I've had people lose 20 pounds and come back to me and say, you know what, my knee feels better enough now that I can do things, I can exercise, I think I'm going to hold off on the surgery. And instead of going, oh, man, I lost the surgery, I'm like, well, that's a win. We kept somebody out of the operating room. That's exactly what we're trying to do. So don't poo-poo weight loss, no pun intended there. And even 10 pounds helps. The mainstay of treatment is anti-inflammatory medications. Those are drugs like Advil, aspirin, ibuprofen, Motrin, Celebrex, Aleve, Voltaren. You've heard all those different names, Diclofenac. There's, there's about 100 different anti-inflammatory medications that are available on the market. And basically what they do is they do a couple things. They have two effects. One is to decrease inflammation. So inflammation is this process by which if there's an injury, your body goes through this entire process to heal the injury. And the first step is inflammation. One of the downsides to inflammation is that it causes pain because some of the chemicals that are that are uh, secreted by the cells that are injured are actually pain mediators. Um, they create pain signals, and the signals go to your spine, and then the signals go up to your brain, and then you feel pain. So one of the things that they do is they decrease the inflammation, thereby decreasing the signals that are being sent to your brain. The second thing that they do is they actually have an analgesic effect. They actually block pain. They actually block the signals not by decreasing the number of signals by decreasing inflammation, but they actually block the signal. So let me say that again. By blocking inflammation, by decreasing inflammation, it decreases the number of signals that are being sent to your brain. So that, therefore, you perceive less pain when you take those medications. The second thing it does is it actually stops some of the signals from being sent. That, that's the analgesic effect. So it's not that it just decreases the number. It actually stops some of the signals from being sent, so then your brain, your brain doesn't perceive pain. That's how those medications work. Unfortunately, they have side effects. The biggest side effect, the most common side effect, rather, is that it upsets your stomach. Another secondary side effect, rarely, fortunately, is that it can actually really hurt your kidneys and, and cause kidney damage. That, that's how those medications work. So that there's a mechanism uh, by which uh, they work. A second drug that a lot of people don't give enough credit to is Tylenol. You know, lately, in the last, oh, I would say five to ten years, there's been a lot of talk about how Tylenol injures your liver. Well, you got to take a lot of Tylenol for it to get to a point where it injures your liver. We're talking about eight grams. So, you know, from a safety standpoint, the CDC has come out and said four grams per day 
is your maximum dose is as 4,000 milligrams. But in reality, the studies show that it's 8,000 milligrams before you get uh, uh, liver damage, and that's per day over a long period of time. So the way Tylenol works is it inhibits an enzyme called COX-3. That enzyme actually is what mediates pain signals in your brain. So when you take Tylenol, it stops the COX-3 from sending a signal to your brain. So it works more at the, in the, at the spine level and the brain level, uh, and that's how Tylenol works. The interesting thing that we found uh, from our surgical patients is that if you give anti-inflammatory medications as, as well as Tylenol together, they have a synergistic effect. And the synergistic, synergistic effect is that you get the same degree of pain relief with lower doses of medication. Why is that important? By taking lower doses of medication, you have fewer side effects. So for a lot of my patients, if it's appropriate, and obviously you should talk to your doctor about this, but for a lot of my patients, if it's appropriate, I'll give them a lower dose of an anti-inflammatory medication as well as adding Tylenol on board, and that decreases their pain level so that they can stay functional. Again, the goal is to stay active, exercise, and lose weight. That brings me to exercise. Why is exercise important? Well, it turns out that the cartilage does not get nutrition the way other tissues do. So the cartilage in your joint that's starting to wear down is entirely dependent upon mechanical forces to get the nutrients that it needs. The joint has this fluid called synovial fluid in it, and that has a bunch of nutrients in it. And the synovial fluid is, is produced by the cells around the joint, and the movement of your joint pushes that fluid through the cartilage mechanically. So the pushing of that fluid through the cartilage mechanically delivers nutrients to the cells that are in the cartilage. Otherwise, the tissue, the cells in the cartilage don't get any nutrients and they can't do their work. And one of their jobs is to produce a chemical called uh, hyaluronic acid and another chemical called glycosaminoglycan. The names aren't important, but the cartilage cells produce those chemicals to maintain the structure of the cartilage. So if they don't get nutrients, they can't maintain the structure, and then not surprisingly, the structure starts to slow down. In fact, many of many of my patients who have arthritis are able to stave off surgery until they become inactive. The moment they become inactive, all of a sudden now their stiffness and their pain gets so much worse that they have difficulty doing the things they want to do, and that sort of pushes them to say, okay, I'm ready to have surgery. So exercise is very important. In addition to that mechanical pushing of the nutrient fluid through the cartilage, what exercise does is it maintains flexibility. Maintaining flexibility helps the nutrition of the cartilage, but it also helps the strength of your muscles. So the stronger your muscles are, the more pressure they take off of the damaged cartilage. It's an interesting phenomenon. So if you think about it, the cartilage is designed to bear weight, but when the cartilage is injured or damaged and the muscles and the ligaments around there can offload the pressure. Remember I said that the, your body is a system of levers, and so the muscles act as a leverage system to take pressure off the joint. So the stronger your muscles are, the less, the less pressure on your joint. And so the, when there's less pressure on a damaged cartilage surface, it hurts less, stands to reason. There's two ways to make your muscles strong. One is to do weight training, whether it's isometric or concentric. Concentric means like weight lifting. Isometric is like uh, lunges and things like that uh, and tightening the muscle. So whether it's concentric, eccentric, or isometric type of muscle strengthening, 
That makes your muscle bigger and therefore stronger. The other is flexibility and yoga. So flexibility is things like curves, Pilates, yoga. What yoga does is it makes the muscle longer. By making the muscle longer, it contracts over a longer period of, uh, of um, uh, the arc of motion of the joint. And by contracting over a longer period, it actually increases the strength. So therefore, by making the muscle stronger, by making it longer, you take pressure off the joint. So exercise is very important. And, and then lastly, things like you know laser and cryoablation are very important too. So let me talk about laser. Laser treatment is, again, one of those things where the science has been around for about 60 or 70 years, uh, but it's not a cure-all, end-all. I mean, if you expect that a couple of laser treatments are going to reverse your arthritis, you're going to be sadly disappointed. That's not how it works. What it does is it has a, now we use these dual-wave lasers. So one of the one wavelength actually decreases edema and swelling and inflammation in the joint. So that helps to decrease the pain from that whole inflammatory process. And the second wavelength actually stimulates blood flow. And so the stimulation of blood flow actually helps heal tissues because now the cells have more nutrients to do the work that they do. And at the same time, it's actually changing how the cells behave at the cellular level. It, it, it turns on certain genes and turns off certain genes so that those genes produce different proteins that actually have more of a healing response. So again, laser is not going to reverse your arthritis completely, but it's going to give you enough, enough um, improvement in the cellularity of, of the structures around the cartilage that it's going to help the pain. And lastly, I use a technique called cryoablation where we actually freeze the nerves. Now, this is not a permanent solution, but it temporarily gives you about three to four months of pain relief so that you can exercise, lose weight, uh, and you know, do things like laser. I haven't even talked about steroid injections, but I'll talk about those as we get into the surgical options. When I come back after these messages, you're listening to The Bone Zone on 94.3, 104.7 KNU.